Taylor, there's this thing going around called NBA Top Shot. And I'm an old man now. I don't really get in trends. But the way I understand this is that it's like a it's like a trading card deal, but it's with, you know, blockchain. So your digital acquisitions are unique and people are going nuts over this. They, they're going crazy for it. Yeah. And I, I get it. I'm on now. I'm just as old as you are, but, and I don't get in on trends very often. Uh, you like, are, you are about a month younger than me. So. Well, yeah, just as old relatively, but yes, <laughs> um, I get it because basically it's just a digital card and cr- collecting cards has been around forever. And the only disadvantage that the, that cards would have is that they can, be lost or stolen or damaged or any of that stuff. But other than that, they're completely identical. You know, people say like, why would you pay a bunch of money for a highlight when you could look it up on YouTube? Well, like, why would you pay a bunch of money for a picture of a guy? Like that's even <laughs> less fun than the highlight. It's because of the collection and, and I'm into it. Um, I think that it won't be as big of a deal. Probably. I, I don't think it'll last as long as trading cards have lasted. Like, I think it's kind of a hot thing that's going to die off a little bit, but while it's here, I'm, I'm into it. You know, maybe it's because it's the NBA and I don't really follow the NBA. Maybe that's why I'm coming out as such an old man. Like, I, you know, I I, people were selling pat highlights for 30 pop uh, digital ones that you wouldn't be. Yeah, I was. Yes, I was ready to come out really strong against NBA (laughs) Top Shot because it's stupid and it's pointless. And why would you pay money for a highlight when you can just look it up on YouTube (laughs) and that sort of thing? I was ready to come out really strong against it, but I was thinking about it this afternoon in anticipation of us recording today. And I did think about it and I was like, "Mm, if I had a digital pat something that no one else in the world had, that would be pretty cool. And maybe I, maybe I could get into it if it was pat related. We've had a bunch of fun chiefs in the past and, you know, like a Jamal card or like, I mean, any of those guys, like, I just think it would be really fun to kind of start building your collection based on your favorite team. And like you, I don't follow the NBA. So I have no desire to own any NBA um, highlights, but I do think the idea is there. I like it. Do you, did you ever collect any kind of, Trading cards or, or um, card I'm the, the my biggest collection is the bobbleheads that um, you know about where I collected all the Royal Stadium giveaway bobbleheads. And that's as close as I've gotten. Never cards. Uh, but the bobbleheads are kind of the same idea where like, I guess they're a little bit more tangible and, and unique and that. But uh, no, no cards for me ever. That's the selling point for me is a tangible item. But see, the other thing that I was going to go, the direction I was going to go with this is, you know, like... Uh, the, the cards that I have gotten into, I've never gotten into just trading cards. I was never really into baseball cards. I did have baseball cards when I was growing up, but it was just kind of like one of those things that I had just to have them. I never collected them. I never traded them. But what I was very into was Star Wars cards, Star Wars customizable card game. Literally never even really learned how to play the game because sure. the game was kind of dumb and hard to learn. And I never really understood it because I was like, you know, 12 and yeah. nobody, there was no YouTube to learn how to play video card games. You know, like you had to read the instructions. I was a dumbass, you know, like I couldn't figure out how to play these games, <laughs> but I did have a lot of Star Wars cards and I still do have a lot of Star Wars cards. Well, and a lot and of people I, are age at Pokemon too. Same idea. And Pokemon and magic cards. So yeah. I never got super into magic, the gathering, but I did play in a professional magic, the gathering tournament. I'm just oh. going to shout myself out here live on air. I am three and O undefeated, uh, never lost in my professional magic the gathering career we won a city championship in dundee scotland when i was studying abroad me and my roommate from college went over there kicked everybody's butt we were team america world police 
That was our name. We wore cowboy hats. It was, it was incredibly crass and stereotypical and ridiculous. This was back in, you know, the, the George Bush years. It was, you know, we were, we were very American. We, we lived it up and then we took our winnings and we went to McDonald's. So you're basically, you have the same postseason record as Pat Mahomes when he is not playing against Tom Brady. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report. Find them online, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs, or on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at RealBirdLawyer, all one word. And here with me, as always, is my man, the myth, the legend, Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what is going on? Oh, you know, chilling. Just a podcast life, treating us well. It is treating us well. It's it's good to be back. We obviously had a little bit of a bummer episode last week. We had to mourn not only the Chiefs Super Bowl loss, but the loss of several icons of the NFL and NFL podcasting community. Uh, still really hurting from uh, you know the loss of Wes and Therese Paler. I did get my All Juice t-shirt in the mail today. So for those of you that didn't listen to last week's podcast, first of all, go back and listen to it. Rate, leave us a review, you know, Go, go in, get the back episodes in, skip past the Super Bowl part if you don't listen to that, which I completely understand if that's the case. But if you want to support uh, the Therese Paler Scholarship, you can go online. In fact, I think this is the pinned tweet on Yahoo NFL um, Twitter or the Yahoo Sports page. Um, there is a T-shirt, an all-juice T-shirt that goes to fund the Therese Paler Scholarship at Howard University. So definitely go and check that out. Taylor, we have a jam-packed show today, even though it's uh, you know it's early March. There's not a whole lot going on, but our dear listeners have given us a lot of mailbag questions to talk about, including a little segment at the end, a roast. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a quick roast. But first, we have we have some news. news. News news news, 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 news. It's good that we're recording this on a Thursday, Taylor. Usually we record this podcast on Wednesday. We're recording this one on a Thursday because last <laughs> night we started playing some Oculus and we got caught up in the VR and we decided not to record the podcast and put it off a day. So it's a good thing because there was a lot of news that dropped on this Thursday, March the 4th, starting with Happy Trails. Anthony Sherman, the sausage himself, the Chiefs fullback, announced his retirement in a very sausage-like manner. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's he's so uh, dramatic. You know, this was the video. Uh, he helicoptered off into the sunset. I mean, he's just, he's he's perfect. I, I miss the guy. I wish him the best. He uh, he always had the camp entrances that were a lot of fun. And, you know, who, who had a more fun fullback in the NFL while he was here than the sausage? Nobody. Nobody. And, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but like, what is your favorite sausage memory? It can be on the field. It can be camp highlights, but. uh, The Mahomes touchdown, the float pass at the chargers, which was just the touch on it was beautiful. Um, It it was kind of one of those moments too, where he was like, he can make anybody score and look good. Like he sure. Yeah. A wheel route to the sausage. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, That was my favorite X's and O's moment for sure. Um, and I think his very first camp entrance that was like over the top, I think was the race car. If I 
That sounds uh, right. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the Razor. At least that's I mean, the one that sticks in my head that I remember the most. And that one was amazing. He, he. Uh, I think it was Clint Boyer that um, hooked him up with an actual NASCAR. NASCAR is that what yeah. they call them? Do they call a NASCAR <laughs> car a NASCAR? We're gonna need one of our listeners who's a racing fan. To, I think they uh, do. I think that's called us. a NASCAR. But anyway. a NASCAR, yeah. a NASCAR. It's not yeah. called a stock car. Is that is that? I think different? I think that's if it's not NASCAR. If that if it's that like a, like one? stock car r- racing. No, Formula One is What's a different a type one of car? car. Those are the the real s- small, skinny. They got like the they're only yep. as wide as a person, and they've got the big four wheels. Um, I think a I don't know. I think I'm gonna call it a NASCAR. Anyway, the sausage had one. It was great. We're not going to be starting a racing podcast. Anytime <laughs> soon. You, you can tell we know a lot about racing. <laughs> Happy trails to the sausage. We will always remember him fondly. Obviously a participant in two Super Bowls, Super Bowl champion of Super Bowl 54. He did catch that amazing touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. He had that incredible Pro Bowl. We didn't even talk about his Pro yes. Bowl. Remember the Pro Bowl where he almost won Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl MVP? He was like Certainly. the leading rusher in the Pro Bowl. Uh, yeah, incredible. Oh, um, Patrick's first start. Well, and he was in Patrick's first start. He was. He was the he leading was the rusher leading in that rusher. game. Yeah, yeah. Because he was great in that game. Kareem came out of the game after one carry. He clinched uh-huh. the rushing title, and he was like, "Peace." Scored a I'm touchdown out. and walked off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Kareem Hunt as well. Yeah. Um, so another bit of news today. We kind of knew this was coming, but the timing of it, I guess, came as a little bit of a surprise. There was no buildup to it. The Chiefs announced that they have reached a sponsorship deal with GEHA, which I, I looked up. It is pronounced GEHA. I, I've yep. always said like GEHA. It's, it's GEHA. <laughs> no, government Employee Health Association. They do government um, health insurance. Oh, look at you. Uh, they now sponsor Arrowhead Stadium. So it's now GEHA Field. GEHA! <laughs> at Arrowhead Stadium. So uh, the upshot of this you know they sell insurance we can no longer make fun of other teams that you know have dumb sponsorships for the stadium we can still make fun of the broncos because empower field at mile high sounds really stupid it doesn't sound nearly as cool as gee <laughs> and it certainly isn't as embarrassing as whatever the chargers one was it was like dignity healthcare or something like that yeah. you know like literally the opposite of your dignity. It's like your stadium's stadium's empty, bro. And we're about to drop 10 touchdowns on you. Uh, But that makes Arrowhead one of uh, the vast majority of stadiums in the NFL. There's only four unsponsored stadiums left in the NFL. Do you know them without looking at the show notes? I have already looked at the show notes. I already, but the only one of these I didn't know was the bills. I, they they just dropped it. Um, This is going to be the first season where in a while that they haven't had a sponsor. So the other three are obviously iconic Soldier Field, Lambeau. Well, I guess Paul Brown's yeah. is not super iconic, but yeah. it, uh, it's not a sponsorship. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, no one's ever wanted to sponsor Paul Brown Stadium. <laughs> and I, I guess no one wants to sponsor Bill's Stadium anymore either. I, that was surprising because I think we talked about the Bill's Stadium sponsorship last offseason. Like, this is not the first time we've talked about the Bill's Stadium and its sponsorship or non-sponsorship on this podcast, which is a little strange, but... Bear with us, guys. We're getting back into uh, we're getting back into a groove after you know a couple weeks off. We did have some more Chiefs news. Taylor Brett Veach gave a press conference his postseason, you know, kind of mid, you know, way between the end of the season and the draft presser, and he did drop some some pretty significant news bombs. Uh, probably the most significant of which involved the Chiefs' two offensive tackles who obviously were greatly missed in the Super Bowl. Mitch Schwartz, uh, we heard that he had surgery in his back. 
uh, it apparently went well. No fusion in any of the discs in his back. They said that he's expected to be ready in time for camp. That is huge news. Huge. Uh, Mitch is obviously, when when healthy, the best right tackle in the game. I mean, he, he was dominant. He never let anybody get by him. If he can come back to close to that, uh, the Chiefs are filling a massive hole on the offensive line there. Yeah, and then on the other side at the left tackle spot, Eric Fisher. So Eric Fisher obviously tore his Achilles in the Bills game, the AFC Championship game, late in the game in the fourth quarter. And we weren't really sure exactly what the timetable would be. Obviously, it's still early. He just had the the surgery on it a few weeks ago. There's a lot of different ways that this can go, but Rick Burkholder, the Chiefs head trainer, expects him to be back on the field by mid-August, which would put him in the middle of the preseason. It would be after training camp. He obviously would miss any off-season program if there is one this year because of COVID. That'll be tough. I mean, we'll see if he starts the year on the pup. It sounds like he probably would, the physically unable to perform list. You know, he's not going to get those reps in training camp, but if the Chiefs can get him back and get him back healthy at some point next season, that that I think would be a pleasant surprise. I mean, a torn Achilles in the AFC championship game week to, to me, that was the moment he went down with that. It was like, okay, cancel him next year. I mean, that's yeah. just, yeah, you know, absolutely. that that's feels like a year long injury, but fortunately that clock starts, you know, the, the week before the Super Bowl and not, um, you know, the first week of the season. So even though the length is really long, it's going to cover the entire off season. So, I mean, who knows what kind of shape he's going to be able to get in to just ramp right up. Um, but, you know, he's a vet and uh, he's, he, he's important. He's important to the team. Obviously we saw that uh, we're hoping he can come back and make an impact when the games really matter towards the end of the year. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the chiefs are going to be looking for some offensive line help regardless. They need to have that depth in there. But I mean, I think, you know, in, in the depths of despair, right after the Super Bowl, there was a lot of talk about both Fisher yeah. and Schwartz not being around this yeah. year. And it sounds like the plan is for both of them to be around. And obviously plans can change and circumstances can change, but hopefully both of those guys recover. And, you know, considering where we were at, even just a couple of weeks ago in the wake of the it seems like really good news. Yeah, we'll see what um, Veach thinks about Fisher because obviously this is a contract year for him. And yes. that's a really bad time to have a <laughs> torn Achilles coming up before a contract year. So if they get something done, uh, either this offseason or maybe you know shortly into camp or something like that, and they feel like he's progressing well, then I think that that's going to be a really good sign for his 2021 um, ability to come back and be an impact. But if they don't get a deal done and they kind of let it linger a little bit, um, I think that there it'll probably be a signal that they're a little bit more pessimistic about it, um, about him coming back. In injury news, Patrick Mahomes did have his surgery on his toe. He is expected to make a full recovery. The hope is that he is going to be ready by organized team activities. That usually takes place in mid to late May. We will see if we have OTAs this year. Obviously, last year uh, with COVID, there there were no OTAs or there were virtual OTAs, I should say. They didn't yeah. get on the practice field at all. But the hope is that he will be fully recovered by OTAs. doesn't sound like there's any concern at all about his long-term prognosis, which is great. Uh, Brett Beach did talk a little bit about the team needs and where he expects that to go. I never find these super illuminating because either we know what the team needs are, which in this case, none of these positions are going to stand out as a surprise or, you know, like, yeah, he's saying that, but like, you know, I mean, I mean, this is smokescreen season right here. We got free agency coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got the draft coming up a few weeks after that. 
Brett Veach said that the team was focused on the offensive line, the defensive line, and the linebackers. That makes sense considering what we saw, obviously, in, in the Super Bowl with the offensive line. The defensive line got bullied as well. The linebackers have been terrible for like three or four years. Those are all positions that make sense for the Chiefs to address, but he did put that on the record in his presser. Um, another couple of news items, uh, some returning faces in 2021. Uh, Laurent Dunardet Tardif is coming back. Lucas Niang and Damian Williams, all three of them opted out. Those were the th- Chiefs' three opt outs for COVID 19. And we did hear the, just in this past week that they are all expected to be back in 2021. Now, whether that means that they are going to survive cuts, I mean, obviously they're expected to be back in the sense that the opt out was for one year and it pushed their contracts back a year and they're all yeah. technically under contract. We'll see where the salary cap ends up. I think you and I, when we were talking last year about the COVID implications, kind of predicted at least LDT and Damian Williams to potentially be on the chopping block if mm-hmm. uh, the cap were to shrink. Yeah, um, it's interesting. You know, with the increased focus on the line, I think the the projected health of the two tackles is going to dictate a lot about the types of moves that they make there. And then, you know, Damian's a really interesting guy. Um they obviously liked a lot of what he did in the postseason, and but at the same time, they liked what they saw to Daryl Williams. They obviously drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round. So I mean, right. the, the running back room kind of has a lot of a lot of guys that they would feel comfortable if they if it comes to them. And Damian, while he's one of those guys, it might just he might just be a cap casualty. He might restructure. Um, it kind of depends on how I think comfortable and close the Chiefs are with him and he with the chiefs if he you know really really wants to be here i think they'll work something out but um it's he's an interesting candidate for sure yeah and i mean i think like you said that all kind of depends on where the cap is going to be at we still don't have a firm number which actually is kind of crazy considering their free agency is in like two weeks two, two weeks, weeks. From today i think the seventeen. Uh, surely the surely the nfl will have that number I, I you would think that they would have it confirmed before free agency starts yeah. You would think before Otherwise, these teams start doling out contracts yeah, right, right. with no idea what it's going to be, but I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, speaking of contract news, a uh, little nugget from James Palmer, and this doesn't come necessarily as a surprise, but it was formally put out there in the air. Uh, obviously, Tyron Matthew is in the last year of his three-year deal that he signed two years ago in free agency, kind of the Chiefs' big splash signing with uh, Brett Veach coming in and trying to make some moves in his first offseason as general manager the chiefs are planning to discuss a contract extension with him this is something that they kind of have put out in the air before but uh everything that we've seen from the team suggests that they would really like to get him locked up and i mean why wouldn't they right i mean yeah i mean we've called him the best free agent signing in chiefs history before and i i just feel like there's so much love between both the Badger and the team and the team and him that it just does. It's, it's one of those signings. It just feels inevitable. Yeah, it does. And hopefully it gets done. Obviously the chiefs have the ability with some of these guys that are in contract years, whether it be Fisher, uh, whether it be Tyron Matthew, who we know they want to keep, you know, Fisher, it obviously kind of depends yep. on how he's healing, but we know they want to keep Tyron Matthew and the ability to sign him to an extension that could potentially reduce his cap hit this year and give the chiefs a little bit more flexibility to maybe make a splash in free agency would be great. I mean, we saw it happen last year. Um, they already kind of got a jump start on that when they knew that COVID was going to be a thing and the cap was going to 
probably drop this season. That's, you know, after that, they figured that out. That's when they agreed to this, these extensions with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Uh, so they already kind of got a jump start on giving themselves some flexibility for how they're going to attack the cap potentially dropping this off season, although we'll see with the new TV deals, but something to keep an eye on for sure. And obviously it would be great to see him locked up long-term in NFL news, just kind of across the league, JJ Watt signed with your Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to call here. I think that's fair to say your Arizona Cardinals. We're we're both, we're both big Cardinals guys. We, we both have been intrigued by the Cardinals, but you had picked them. I, I was on the bandwagon just a little bit before I would say most people, um, Obviously, Kyler Murray's been a blast, and I loved that JJ tweeted out a picture of him in a Cardinals shirt and said, "Source me." Yeah. I just thought that was a really good, uh, good little JJ Watt bit. So, yeah, it was great. There, there have been some. I don't know if you followed any of the the fallout on Twitter from this. Um, there were a couple of franchises that were very that had their feelings very hurt. Yeah, by JJ Watt taking twenty three million guaranteed. Yeah, the Bills were the big the one. Bills, the Bills, yeah. So there was a Bills beat writer that has a blue check mark who will remain nameless because I don't remember his name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the perfect reason. He, he came out and said, oh, I talked to some guys inside the Houston locker room and they said that this guy sucks and he just wants to chase stats and, you know, like he doesn't care about winning and blah, blah, blah. And he put this out into Bill's mafia territory on Twitter and got a bunch of retweets and so on and so forth. And like, come on, like keep it classy Bill's fans. Like we get it. You made it to the AFC championship game. You supposedly were in the running for JJ Watt. Like, you know, the guy got 23 for everybody. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's their game. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, like who are you talking to in Houston? Let's be real here. Right. (laughs) You're, you called up. You called up Houston. You called yeah. up the Houston Texans, yeah. who are a pit of despair. <laughs> yeah, a pit of despair. They're trying desperately to hang on to their star quarterback, but they've let their other two best players on the roster, besides their quarterback, go to the Arizona Cardinals right. for basically like a second round pick and David Johnson. Right. And you're gonna call them up and be like, "Hey, you know, like, what do you think of JJ Watt?" What's the deal? It's like, yeah, right. Come on, guys. That's let's let's yeah, uh, let's here. let's let's get a little professionalism here. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it professional. Let's keep it tight. Good for JJ Watt. And I hope that the uh, Cardinals show out and I, I would love to see them in the playoffs. Man, year. him and Chandler Jones on the same defensive line. I mean, they're going to know they're they're doing it. They're doing it. Could stuff. be. It could be pretty good. And they they certainly have um, some needs that they can address in the draft. But, you know, they've got some picks. They uh, they can certainly do some interesting things. Uh, not quite as interesting news <laughs> that dropped this week. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a little bit of speculation. Will he, won't he, you know, they restructured his deal. They basically just made him take less money. He's still going to make $14 million. They're spreading out the rest of his contract that he was guaranteed next year to future seasons. But to me, Taylor, and you can give me your thoughts on this. The only significance of this news to me as a Chiefs fan is that I can write off the Steelers as serious contenders in 2021. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, It seems more than likely that they're losing Juju Smith-Schuster to another team in free agency, and they're just, you know... They lost three offensive linemen that are retiring. Their line was devastated, including Marquise Pouncey, which, you know, he had been butt buddies with Ben Roethlisberger for the last 10 or 11 seasons. So that was a bit of a surprise that Roethlisberger wanted to come back without him. He's going to have to figure out a new center and all that stuff. But yeah, they're, um, they're certainly on the downtrend and especially in the AFC North. 
And I, I think you're right. All it really does, the most intriguing part about for for it for me is slotting another quarterback in the ever-changing landscape of NFL quarterbacks of where people are going to go and what teams are going to be looking to trade or, or sign a guy or whatever. So, I mean, it's just kind of now we can check the Pittsburgh Steelers off the list. They will not be going after someone. They have Big Ben for next year. Yeah, and they could target somebody in the draft, certainly. Sure. Um, that's something that, you know, could add some intrigue. This is going to be a fun draft. I know you're not a, a draft Nick and neither am I, but, you know, it's always fun to see drafts with a big first round quarterback class because obviously the Chiefs are picking at 31 and have no need for a quarterback, which is another thing that Brett Veach confirmed in his presser. <laughs> the Chiefs will not be drafting a quarterback. I think that's the second year in yeah. a row that he's made that joke. Um, yeah, he's going to he'll make it for the next 15 yeah, years. He's going to be getting a lot of mileage out of that one yeah. over the next 10 or 15 years. Um, but you know, the Steelers are a team that certainly could be looking for their quarterback in the future. And the more teams that are looking for a quarterback in the first round, the better for the Chiefs. The the more stuff trickles down to us at the end. You want to get into this mailbag, Taylor? Mailbag. Let's do it. Mailbag. Do you want to start? Do you, do you want to start? You want me to start? I will. To... <laughs> I will start. That's like the, uh, the old episode seven beginning. Um, okay, so we've got one from our guy, Corio 4 the artist Ka-ka! chief, and he asked us, this is a great one to start us with, uh, you have to fight to the death with one of these people, Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, or Frank Clark, pick one, but you get a real animal to help you, so you get either a honey badger, a shark, or a cheetah, what is your fight combination? So I'm going to pick a cheetah to help me fight Tyreek. Feline predators are pretty nuts. And, you know, if Tyreek runs away, then I've got the only land animal fast enough to be able to actually track him down. And uh, so that was my my initial thought was I'm going to use a cheetah on the cheetah. So I I like where you're going with that. I So here's the thing about cheetahs, Taylor. I, I agree that in general, big cats are pretty ferocious, but cheetahs are actually like pretty weak at fighting as Let's big cats go. Well, I, I don't want to fight a cheetah, but I'm saying I would much rather fight a cheetah than, than like tiger. any yeah, any yeah. other big cat, a tiger, a lion, a jaguar, Ooh. a leopard, a mountain lion, like any of the other ones, um, a cheetah. So cheetah, like they like top out at like 150 pounds, which like is still pretty scary. You know, 150 pounds coming at you at 60 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour. But uh, an adult cheetah is 75 to 150 pounds. I think that, uh, you know, like, I think Tyreek would just kill your cheetah. To be honest with you. Like, I think he can kill your cheetah with your bare hands. And then kill I think me. You've seen Tyreek. Yeah. And then kill you. He just yeah. would be, yeah. he just would be toying with you. Yeah. So yeah. I think That's picking fair. a fight against Tyreek is a poor choice. I had I, to go, I, like I had to go a different uh, direction with this. And, you know, at first I thought a shark, that would not be very useful because of course this fight would be occurring on land. You would think but so. But the way that the question is worded is that the animal is helping you. So, you know, these animals have something in their brains that says, don't kill this guy when he gets into the water with you. Yeah. I'm a pretty good swimmer and I don't know how good of a swimmer Frank Clark is, (laughs) but I bet he's not as good good a a swimmer as me. I was on the swim team. Yeah. Well, and and he's definitely not as good a swimmer as a shark. I mean, that's all you have to do is swim away from Frank Clark and the shark's got it. Right. Exactly. I, I have a, you know, I have a, a background. I, I, I did the I did the swim team when I was in like middle school. I wore one of those dumb speedos. I was terrible at it. My parents made me do it. But point is, I feel <laughs> fairly confident in my swimming ability. 
And all I got to do is park out near a beach somewhere or whatever with my shark. And then whenever Frank comes barreling towards me, I'll just jump in the water and, you know, the shark will do its thing. Do you say stuff to people at the pool like the water's fast today? Like you, you got that, like <laughs> the old swimmer mentality in you? No, absolutely not. And that's why I hated it. I, I absolutely despise everything about swimmer mentality, whatever it is. It's ridiculous to me. Uh, but I was forced into doing it. The point is. I feel pretty confident in my swimming ability. And I, a shark just has a lot of intimidation factor. I yeah, mean, like, no, you've, you've got this pick slammed. I mean, the was... thing is, the thing is, a cheetah, you know, you're fighting on land. We're used to fighting on land. We're humans, right? Like yeah. your shark, you're fighting a shark in water. You're, you're fighting on his territory. I, yep. I think that's I think that's the obvious choice. Yep, I agree. That was a great question, Corey. We love it. Well, let's ask his second question then, which was, uh, always loaded question on this podcast, which of the three films is the best out of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and why? Oh, so sure. we've discussed this several times, but it's always worth going back to because it is my favorite film franchise of all time. And, you know, most people or a lot of people's um, the best is very hard to kind of grasp. Um, my favorite, as we've said before, is Return of the King. But a lot of that has kind of to do with like the emotion and the satisfaction of finishing the best story ever told. You're getting screen. satisfied. I'm getting satisfied with Return of the King. Exactly right. And so objectively, yes, Return of the King has too many endings and no beginning. It's it's the it's the ending of the trilogy. So um, it's just kind of, it's not, not really fair to me to treat it or any of these films as a standalone film. They are all the beginning, middle, and end of the trilogy. Sure. And so while my fate, I totally get your and other people's interpretation that The Fellowship is the best of the three. That's totally fine. I, Spoilers. I'm, I'm on board. I don't agree that it's my favorite, but I'm on board that Fellowship's obviously amazing. Love it so much. Yeah, Fellowship is my pick. I have put this take out here before, but listen, uh, Fellowship is, to me, what makes Lord of the Rings great is not the giant battles. And let's be clear, the, the battles are great. Helm's Deep is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, Pelennor Fields is awesome. All mm-hmm. the epic, the epic battle scenes are very cool. But to me, what holds up the most over time and makes the movies timeless are the characters yep. and not the CGI, but the practical effects, the fight choreography. And so what I love about Fellowship is that you get to know the nine members of the Fellowship so well and their arcs in the first uh, movie obviously sets up what happens in the rest of the trilogy. But because it's more of a personal film in a way you know where you're getting yeah. to know these nine dudes as opposed to just seeing a bunch of big battles and you know explosions and elephants and stuff like that um it's uh it's cool it's fun to me plus it gets into you know at the beginning the uh my god the intro to lord of the rings you know the first movie oh. with Kate blanchett narrating yeah. over it and you know the flashbacks to isildur and Elrond, you know, in Mount Doom and all that stuff. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, the history of Middle Earth stuff in that one just really gets me going. Getting getting all fired up just thinking about it. Me too. Um, but really, the, the, the Moria scenes and then the end of Fellowship is my favorite part of the whole trilogy where you have Boromir's betrayal and his redemption arc. Gets me every time, you know, his speech. Uh, obviously, Sean Bean nails it. He's given a million, you know, <laughs> dying speeches yeah. in his time as an actor because he dies in everything that he's ever been in. <laughs> but man, he kills it in that scene. Plus like the, I don't know, the the whole scenery, that like pine forest and the big lake, and, you know, yep. the big 
big statues and the scene where Aragorn, you know, like closes the ring around, closes Frodo's hands around the ring and mm. then, you know, he pulls out Sting and it's going. Tell it to him, baby. Oh, and then he goes around the corner and there's like a whole huge horde of orcs there. Horde. He just pulls out his sword and starts yeah. fighting all of them by himself. Oh, it's incredible. He's, it's a great movie. And he's it's got the knife throw. Oh, it's it's insane. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that question, Corey. As always, the artist chief. Follow he him on funny. Twitter if you like cool art. We've got two. We got another two for from another one of our birds of war. Kaka! Kaka! Jordan Scarin at Mr. J 1128. First question from Jordan. You guys made an Archer reference in the last pod was Sterling Mallory, yep. Sterling Mallory Mahomes. If you could name the next five Mahomes children from your various favorite TV shows, <laughs> what would you name them? Okay. So I'm going to go first. Sure. And obviously our namesake is always sunny. I'm going with my always sunny name and you have an always sunny name as well. I'm going with electric dream machine Mahomes. So, <laughs> That's that's got my sunny bases covered. Uh, I've got a couple of Star Wars ones on here, so I've watched all the Star Wars shows. I I'm plowing through Clone Wars right now. We have nice. not finished it yet. There's like 150 episodes. Yeah, but I've got two. Uh, one is from Clone Wars here, and that's Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto Mahomes. He's one of the Love Jedi, it. and and you know he's got you know he's 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 witty. He's got a goofy accent. He's great. Kit Fisto Mahomes. I I like that one. And then I really like this one, Mando. Mando Mahomes. Mando Mahomes is a banger. Tell me, tell me that's not just. I mean, that guy would be that guy would be a star. If he NFL. hears that, that might be his next child's name. I mean, that sure. is you know if you he, got the if alliteration the on pod. there, mm, Mando Mahomes. Uh, I got my Parks and Rec in here, Ron Swanson Mahomes, only because <laughs> I took mine. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. And then, listen, yeah, Game of Thrones, it ended poorly, but for six seasons, it was an incredible show. I went with Barristan Mahomes. There's a lot of badass Game of Thrones names that I could yep. have gone with. You know, Oberyn Mahomes, that would have been cool. Yep. Um, but Barristan, I like the way that Barristan just combines with the Mahomes. Barristan Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That sounds very regal and cool. Um, so I went with all um, three name people. So uh, my one of my all time favorite shows is Battlestar Galactica. So Starbucks name is Kara Thrace. So that's Kara Thrace Mahomes. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, I combined two of my favorite <laughs> sunny characters who only had one name. So uh, they're absolute all timers. I've got Roxy, Frank's Pretty Woman and Jan who is the crazy European roommate. So Roxy Jan Mahomes, and you could sing Roxy Jan. (laughs) And uh, then I've got um, Burt Macklin Mahomes, which was the Parks and Rec one that you said I stole from you. Literally, I I literally, the first thing that I was going to put down was Burt Macklin Mahomes. And then I looked over at your list. I was like, yeah, son of a bitch. Macklin, you son of a bitch. Yep. And uh, then I've got from Stranger Things, Jim Hopper. So James Hopper Mahomes. I like that one a lot. And then finally, another agent, but with a little bit more flair to it, is Special Agent Jack Bauer Mahomes. I've always liked the name Jack, and uh, 24 is one of my favorite shows of all time. So, And that's a dual uh, Dual, reference. Dual reference, yeah, that's right. Special Agent Jack Bauer. And our second question from Jordan. Jordan, we appreciate you giving us a twofer here. And this is a great question. Who would you love to see cameo in the upcoming sunny season and who would they play? I will start. So this one was, uh, I, I, I gotta say my favorite, there have been some cameos in mm-hmm. always sunny to date. 
and nothing could possibly top the actual best cameo of all time <laughs> in any show or movie, which is Dolph Lundgren <laughs> as John Thundergun, which is pulling from two different Sunny episodes. Yep. Obviously, Thundergun Express, the actor is not named in it. And then, of course, uh, the gang writes or Mac what, and Charlie write a movie. Yeah, Mac and Charlie write a movie where they write a script for M. Night Shyamalan, which involves Dolph Lundgren being recast, <laughs> Hollywood resurrecting his career. Crime penetration. A, a dog that smells crime or a good, he could smell crime. It's a nose on Dolph Lundgren's body. So when Dolph Lundgren actually he came into the show to play John Thundergun, man, that was incredible. So I would love to see a cameo like that. That's like a callback to like season three, you get an actual actor in there that they've kind of name dropped on the show. So for me, I, I would want to see like, and Danny Glover has been making a comeback lately. Yeah, he has. Danny Glover would be fantastic. They obviously have remade lethal weapon a couple of times. Danny Glover would be hilarious or, and this would be, this would, I might actually die. Like if they got Mel Gibson, like, you know, to, to pop in for a lethal weapon. I, I don't know what the last thing Mel Gibson acted in was. He's obviously yeah. been canceled because he's a terrible person, right. but how funny would it be if he came out of retirement, you know, for a cameo and it's Fits right like, in with the gang. Yeah. It'd be incredible. Yep. Yep. That's pretty good. So I wanted to see like a, like a five person, like a rival gang. So, Oh, sure. So I wanted to see a gang that also gets up to shenanigans and their shenanigans end up crisscrossing with our gang shenanigans. So I dreamed up a uh, kind of a old school uh, gang of around people their same age. So I've got Freddie Prince Jr. playing the Dennis <laughs> lead. And, you know, he's all like, like That's all perfect. full of himself and stuff. And then Charlie's character, I've got his friend Savage, who has um, many ties to Always Sunny. He's written and directed um, several episodes and he's, you know, good friends with the gang. So I'm sure he would jump at that opportunity to get back to acting again. Um, obviously famous from the Wonder Years. I've got Steve Urkel himself, Jaleel White, jumping back into <laughs> the game and playing kind of the back role where he thinks he's a lot tougher than he is. And, and then uh, for the D role, I've got Topanga from Boy Meets World. Sure. And so that's Danielle Fischel. She uh, would be great in that. And then for their old mentor of a kind of more A-list or famous actor, like the Frank role, that's Christopher Walken. Yeah, oh, so, that'd be perfect. So I've got that gang where they're also like, they own like a side business somewhere and they're up to schemes. They're trying to make money and trying to do other stuff. And then our gang keeps running into them in inopportune times and places and their, their plans step on each other's toes. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. That would be fantastic. And I don't know what Christopher Walken last acted in, but man, if he came out of retirement or whatever he's doing to uh, play Frank Stoppelganger in a Sunny cameo. Have you ever seen Seven Psychopaths? I have not. So it's this great movie that, that Christopher Walken was obviously in, um, came out in 2012, and it's got like Colin Farrell and Sam Rockwell, um, just really good, like movie about a kind of a crime spree so anyway that was the first thing that came to my, my mind but 2012 was a while ago nine years oh Jeez. my god uh christopher walken was in like a bunch of stuff in 2020 look at that he was in wild mountain time which spoiler alert the main character thinks he's a bumblebee I read <laughs> it online. wild mountain and, time yep that's the big twist it's like a rom-com or like a psychological romance but the uh main character who's played by that guy from 50 shades of gray uh, Jamie Dornan, he thinks he's a bumblebee. Like that's the twist. Huh. I read a hilarious review of it that gave away the twist where it was just sure. like, yes, this oh. is actually what the movie is about. So it's not the plot. It's the twist. 
Well, it's the so twist. They don't, they don't advertise the movie like this is a guy that thinks no, she's a woman. No, no, no. That's the twist. It's a twist. It's like it's like they fall in love and then she finds out that he thinks he's a bee. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's extremely weird. Let's get to the next question. This is getting really off the rails. <laughs> we have one from Jack Kelly at Big Hand Lawyer. <laughs> what are your favorite conspiracy theories? Taylor, why don't you start us off on this one? Uh, pretty basic. You, you all know I'm into alien stuff. So sure. Area 51, ancient aliens, anything where there have been, you know, either contact with aliens that we don't know about. I mean, all that stuff. I'm not sure I believe it, but I'm endlessly fascinated by the topic. So, um, do you see that Baker Mayfield saw a UFO last night? I did. Yeah. I, you know, if Baker says it, it's probably not true. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I, exactly. That's I what I kind of thinking. felt like that was a debunk right there. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, alien stuff. Um, I had, I don't know if this qualifies as a conspiracy theory. I started off sort of brainstorming, you know, like pretty much any conspiracy involving the government and specifically government agencies like the NSA or the CIA or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I believe those. I didn't know if this was asking like favorite is in, you know, we find this credible or favorite is in, yeah. we find them enjoyable. You know, entertaining and yeah. enjoyable. Uh, but I listened to a really good podcast last year called Wind of Change, which I think I've actually shouted out on here before. But the whole premise is that the CIA wrote this Scorpion song called Wind of Change, which was released like right at the tail end of the Cold War and became like oh. a, like a post- cold war anthem for like the coming together of europe in the wake of the fall of the soviet union and the conspiracy theory is that the cia wrote the song and produced oh it God. as like a psyop like basically like to undermine the soviets and they're like like hey what if we write a rock song about <laughs> the winds of change how you know like capitalism is sweeping away socialism etc and then we like make this big hit and you know distribute it through the soviet union it's totally not true but it's a great conspiracy theory and i'm super into it i, uh, love I like that. that yeah oh it's a great podcast too you should check it out it's uh it's on spotify it's called when to change it's it's excellent if you like music or you know the cia or history or cold war stuff or any of that stuff it it, it covers all those bases it's uh, mm. it's, it's fantastic funny i like that you put these back to back we've got yes. one from a, another one of our sunny themed following yes. accounts brian lefebvre at brian <laughs> and, and he asks in a very similar vein to jack kelly what do you yeah. think happened to the sphere of destiny <laughs> i love the questions that we get in the off season it just yeah. is or we have the best listeners in the world. Um, I think someone just threw it away because it had blood all over it. And then later when people were like, hey, do you remember when we stabbed that famous guy? Does anyone like know where that spear is? Hmm. Like nobody, nobody tracked it. It was all, sure. all the spears were covered in blood. They were all just, you know, I, yeah, I think it just got lost among all the spears that they used to pierce all of the crucifixion victims. So uh, that's what I think happened to it. See, you're dead wrong, Taylor. You're dead wrong because that spear is definitely in that warehouse at the end <laughs> of Raiders of the Lost Ark where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's in one of those giant boxes. It's definitely in a government warehouse in America somewhere because – Yeah, why, you know, why not? Like we're, we were just discussing with the previous one. I mean like Americans, you know, we figured out all the conspiracies. We've got Area 51. We're the protagonists. The Ark of the Covenant were the, were the protagonists and all these stories. You know, the Nazis mm-hmm. probably tried to get it and then we stole it away, whatever it is. It's definitely in a government warehouse. Somewhere. Yeah. So let's get to a football related one, which has been a while now. Uh, our guy over in Poland, PKS, shout out in the morning, PKS. Kaka! Kaka! Uh, you have to put your life savings on over or under on one of the following bets. Mahomes career Super Bowl wins at three and a half. 
or Chiefs playoff appearances in the next 10 years at nine and explain your rationale. Thank you, Polish Chiefs fan, for that one. Um, so I'm not thinking twice about it. I'm doing Mahomes' career Super Bowls over three and a half. And okay. All right, defend. Uh, you know, something that nine playoff appearances in 10 years has happened to three teams in the 30 years where there were 12 playoff teams. The Patriots went to 11 in a row from 2009 to 2019. And actually, if you look at the Tom Brady run, he only missed the one year. And – 15 uh, and the Packers went to nine out of 10 between 2007 and 2016 and the Colts missed the playoffs twice between 1999 and 2014 during the Peyton Manning years. So, you know, it, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, those are the guys that have done it. No one else has done it. Um, It's just a very hard thing to consistently have a team that's good enough to go to the playoffs 90% of the time. Meanwhile, you compare the other one to the entirety of Mahomes' remaining career, only needing three more Super Bowls to get to four. So I I just felt like three out of 15-plus years is an easier bet for me than nine out of ten for the next ten for the Chiefs. You know, this is not a podcast that prides itself on having hot takes. This is not a Skip Shannon debate. But Skip, (laughs) I'm going to take the I'm going to take the nine playoff appearances in the next 10 years. And I will say I will start off with the caveat that I think that they're both good bets. Yes, me too. Me too. And I think that the Chiefs are definitely going to win at least three more Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes. But Super Bowls are. They're not random, but a lot of things they ain't easy. A lot of, yeah, they ain't easy, as we just saw in this last Super Bowl, unfortunately. And a lot of things had to go wrong for the Chiefs to lose that Super Bowl. Let's be clear. They yeah. really were not challenged in the two games leading up to the Super Bowl. They made the Super Bowl really quite, quite easily. Um, but they also made the playoffs extremely easily. And yeah. the reason I'm taking it, I mean, you already kind of list, listed the three guys that have done it before. Peyton Manning did it. Tom Brady did it. And Aaron Rodgers did it. One of those guys. Yeah, the Ghostbusters did it. Scooby-Doo did it. Uh, no, but Tom Brady obviously is the only one of those guys that was pilled, that was paired with like a, a, an all-time great head coach in Bill Belichick. Uh, obviously, Peyton Manning had a number of head coaches. Tony Dungy was in there. You know, um, he won a Super Bowl under Tony Dungy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers had Mike McCarthy the whole time. He did, and he Lucky still managed him. to go. He still managed to go nine out of ten years. The the common thread there is having a great quarterback and they did it when there were only six playoff teams per conference. Yeah. Now there are seven playoff teams per conference. You know, the only way that the chiefs really can miss the playoffs, I think with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and Andy might not be around for all of the next 10 years, but Patrick will be, Yeah. you know, the only way that's going to happen is if God forbid, Patrick has a season ending injury. And I mean, like early, early in the season, you know, like if it's, if it's in, you know, late November, they're probably still going to make the playoffs. They might not go anywhere once they get there, but they're still going to make the playoffs. You know, the, the the only year that the Patriots missed, they missed it twice in Brady's career. Mm -hmm. One was his second year after they won their first Super Bowl. They went nine and seven and missed the playoffs. And the other year was 2008 uh, where the chiefs, or eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah eight, 2008 seven, where the yeah. chiefs in their first game, Bernard Pollard blew out Tom Brady's knee in the first game of the season. And Matt Castle, uh, you know, put together a campaign that landed him in Kansas city and brought us all kinds of pain and misery. But you know, what's funny if there were seven playoff teams in the AFC that year, 
the Patriots, the Patriots would have made it because they, they were 11, 11 and five. They were one of the only 11 win teams to not make the playoffs ever. And so the Patriots would have gone. And you know what? That nine and seven team might also have made it. <laughs> in 2004. Sure. You know, like they were really close both years that they missed the playoffs. And if there had been a 17 playoff field, they absolutely would have been in it to the last game of the season. So I think the Chiefs are going to make it 10 out of 10 years. Like I, I just don't think that it, it's going to be, it's really hard when you have a great quarterback and a great head coach to miss the playoffs. Like going to the playoffs is not something that we should ever take for granted. But if you have the guys running your team that know what they're doing and you have the quarterback, it's something that I would absolutely bet my life savings on. I like the question. That was a good one. Uh, and we ended up on opposite sides of it. So, you know, it, we did. It's, uh, you know, we, we got our Skip and Shannon on today. You ready to do that again? I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Alligator Al at AWGM, who I don't believe we've read a question for before. So thanks. I don't for think we have either. Alligator. Welcome, Al. Uh, he asked, what is the greatest decade for music? Is it the 90s or is it the 90s? So, I promise we didn't pick one that we were going to disagree on. But I no, have yeah. a strong... I have a strong opinion about this. You do. And I think that's what made this one fun for me because obviously um, I know your taste. And so not only did the nineties have by far the best pop singles of any decade, the most earwormy, just greatest hits, but the rock bands that were huge are basically my entire current collection of music that I listen to. We've got Nirvana, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, Tool, Rage Against the Machine, Radiohead, Savage Garden, Smashing Pumpkins, R.E.M., Weezer, Foo Fighters, and Third Eye Blind. So, I can't believe you listed Savage Garden. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're big in the 90s. And yeah, so I, um, I, I get that maybe technically there were other decades that some people prefer. I do not prefer other decades. I think the 90s are full of bangers from 1990 to 1999. I, I literally wrote LOL on our spreadsheet and pointed an arrow towards your entire comment because it's ludicrous. And I think that you and probably Luda was did big it. in the nineties. He was, no, uh, you I know, listen, don't think so. uh, he probably wasn't, <laughs> you know, there was some, some, some really nice hip hop in the nineties. And I would say, you know, if you're really into hip hop, nineties hip hop is, it's very good. Um, but listen, the 90s are a trash decade for music. I'm sorry, Alligator Al. I love alligators. I love the screen name. I, I'm very thankful that you submitted a question to the show. But basically, every music every music decade from like 1950 on is a better music decade than the 1990s. So starting with the 1950s, you had Elvis, you had Little Richard, you had the blues, you had the birth of rock and roll. Okay, give me the 50s. The 60s actually had the best pop singles of any decade. I think you threw that line in just to troll me because <laughs> 60s pop singles are where it's at. I mean, you got Motown, you've got the Supremes, you've got uh you've got Phil Spector doing his thing with the Wall of Man, Sound, the Ronettes. Maybe one more time forever. You've got, you know, you've got surf singles, you got Janet Dean, the Beach Boys. Oh, just an incredible decade for singles. Plus, you got the birth of hard rock, you got Led Zeppelin, which I hate, but a lot Ooh. of people really enjoy. Surprised you uh, brought them up. Well, you know, I mean, you got the Who, you got the Rolling <laughs> Stones kind of hitting their heyday and their peak. And then the 70s, man. The 70s were maybe the most diverse music decade in the past century with all the above. You've got the pop singles, you've got the rock and roll, you've got the blues, you've got the hard rock, plus you have the birth of heavy metal. You have the birth of essentially of dance music with disco. A lot of people not into it, but it really influenced the later, you know, dance music that came out. You've got the rise of punk and heavy metal as well. You've got all the early heavy metal bands, kind of the proto-er heavy metal bands coming out. Uh, the 80s, 
oh man, the 80s were a coke-fueled era of weird but great music in the 1980s. Just all kinds of weird stuff going on in the 80s. Weird, weird stuff, but yeah. but beautiful stuff. Yeah. And then the 90s were basically a worse version of the 80s, where like you're like, okay, well, we've got these things called synthesizers. They're pretty cool. Let's make music with these. But like everything in the 90s, the technology was shitty. And so, <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, check out this cool, you know, whatever synthesizer thing that we're doing here or auto-tune or whatever, you know, auto-tune started to come out in the late 1990s. Uh, but it wasn't to the point where it is today, where it's sort of a perfected technology. So it just was kind of lame and it sucked. And you have grunge, which is just like a worse version of punk and metal that somehow killed both punk and metal. I, I, it's terrible. I, it's it's a bad take. I'm sorry, Alligator Al. I love the screen name. I'm very into alligators, but <laughs> '90s music, no, no, no dice. I will counter that the '90s had Mamba Number no. Five, so <laughs> oh game God. set match. Um, Ozzy, who has been a great Twitter follow for both of us, but I don't believe has submitted a question yet you know and i can't believe this is his first question that he submitted (laughs) us you know him better as every man a wildcat creator of the ultimate gifts that anyone's ever seen on chief's twitter so what's up ozzy uh and and huge on reddit absolutely he's a he's a reddit superstar king he's the king of reddit yes uh we will go ahead and induct you into the birds of war because you are the best so not for this question though because this question is an affront to yeah he said smash mouth great band or greatest band much in the same vein as alligator owl's question so you know hey now uh now we're gonna move on to andrew crocker who we have definitely had questions from before kaka ac rocker And he asked, do you ever feel like you have to balance your distaste for certain players against your fanship of the team? I struggle to tolerate Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs, but I appreciate what his skills do for the team. This may be a can you still find Louis C.K. funny? Um, So I definitely still find Louis C.K. funny. And I love Tyreek uh, not only as a football player, but I think he has made leaps and bounds strides as a person. And I think he's very misunderstood. And I think that there's I'm not uncomfortable with him specifically at all. Now, that being said, um, do I do I ever find that there's a certain type of player that uh, my fandom kind of gets in the way of enjoying them or vice versa? Um, really, it, it hasn't really come up for me before that I know of. Um, so I'm going to say no, this isn't something I personally relate to, but I, I guess I could see it from a, in a certain light. There are circumstances that you could imagine it coming That's what in, I, mean. I think, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my wife is a museum educator, so she has written, she wrote her master's dissertation or whatever you call it when you get a master's degree. Uh, I don't think it's a dissertation because that's for a PhD, but whatever. She wrote her master's thesis on uh, interpreting difficult history. And so this comes up a lot for me, uh, just in my personal life, where I was sort of discussing this, you know, like how you how you attack things like cancel culture and, you know, what do you do when you have somebody like Dr. Seuss, who was a white man who was born in 1904 and has some racist undertones in his book? Like, do you cancel Dr. Seuss? Do you acknowledge the fact that his books, you know, might have some racism in them, but they're still good children's books that have a good message. And, you know, we want to acknowledge that there are elements of them that are problematic, that are, you know, a, a product of their era, but we don't want to ban them or take them off the shelves. And, you know, contrary wise, we don't want to pretend like there's nothing racist about Dr. Seuss because he was a white man born in 1904 and therefore was inherently racist. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting question. Um, 
I think with me, you know, it's always kind of a little bit of a spectrum, right? Like if somebody is racist and they're not contributing anything of value <laughs> to society, yeah, you know, like if Tyreek Hill was a bad football player and we were pretty confident that he was a shitty person, Bye. nobody would have any problem canceling Tyreek Hill, right? Like instead he's a transcendent football player and that obviously makes it difficult for fans of the team to, you know, not cheer for him because he's amazing at football. It, it also, I think in a lot of ways with Tyreek specifically, that's part of the reason he's always a lightning rod for controversy is because he's good at football yep. and fans of other teams want to twist or misinterpret or willfully misrepresent what has happened in his past, which none of us really are privy to. Um, his criminal record notwithstanding, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, people want to put that out there in a negative way because he's a good football player, right? Like they want to cancel him because he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think we should acknowledge that he has obviously a conviction in his past, which now has been expunged. There was an incident, you know, the 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 second incident with his child, like he was never criminally charged he was never suspended by the nfl like that's a nothing burger as far as i'm concerned and he has full custody of his kids currently he's never he's never made me uncomfortable to cheer for now was i uncomfortable for a period of about two and a half months after that phone call came out and before we knew all the details and we heard the full audio yeah i was very uncomfortable in fact there was a time where yeah exactly exactly so did i yeah and once the details that came out you know i i've not really had any discomfort with rooting for him but i i i'm with you i mean i i can imagine a situation in which you know like if you were a patriots fan and you know you won a super bowl with aaron hernandez or i i don't know if he ever actually got a ring but like he played in games for them yeah he murdered two people yeah that, that would that would be somebody that i would would cancel right <laughs> that's, that's somebody that I himself would, yeah he did he did cancel he Ooh. did cancel himself got Oof. him <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Move, moving on. Good question, though. Andrew Crocker uh, gave us something to think about there. Yeah. So we've got Chiefs out west at Chiefs out. And they asked us, I think this is probably the first one that I've read from them as well. So thanks for submitting. Yeah. Chiefs out west is great, though. He's uh, he's out west. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm great out follow west. He's out west. Great follow. Yeah. Appreciate sure. the question. Yep. Uh, He said, I've been binge watching the Netflix original series Ozark lately, which I personally love. And it had me thinking, if I had to launder millions, how would I do so? So if given your choice of any one kind of business, which would you open to launder all that money without getting caught? So, I mean, honestly, criminals have already figured this out. Like this is not a, not a new thought by any means, high cash transaction businesses, casinos, strip clubs, things like that. They are literally perfect for laundering, laundering money. Um, so I'm not going to reinvent the wheel there, but here's a little pivot that I'll take. If I had to do something illegal to make money, then I wasn't forced to launder. I think I'd steal motorcycles. Okay. So sorry to any of you who own motorcycles out there. I'm not targeting your, you know, your people or whatever, but, or your bikes or your bikes yet, but they just seem like they'd be really, really easy to steal. Like you drive up in a van, you pop out, you have two or three dudes just lift yeah. it in, drive sure. away. There, drive away. There's no way to secure them. And right. when they're, when they're that complicated of machinery, that's worth a lot of money. That's all, you know, people spend a lot of money on motorcycles. Like they just seem like 
the perfect thing to drive around and look for. And then boom, you pop it in, you drive off. I, I'm not advocating it by any means, but I've thought about if I had to live a life of crime, I think that's the way I'd go. Yeah. I had the same thought actually circa like 2008 when I was uh, in uh, Europe on a, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 2000. uh, Right around the time of a very famous killing spree. No, no, this would have been like 2004 when I first saw like a smart car, you know, those little smart cars. We went yeah. over to Italy. We went over to Italy for a class trip. And it's like, I'm pretty sure four of us could like lift this up. And just, yeah. just take this away. I mean, they're not as valuable as motorcycles. Wouldn't be quite as lucrative, but I, I have had that same thought before. I like, I like where your head's at on that one. Uh, so next up, we've got Mike. Great user or great screen name. He's uh, yeah, Mike, Mike 57 X. And he asked us a draft question. So a draft question in round one, if you could guarantee an all pro left tackle for the next 10 years or you would get a solid number two receiver that can complement Tyreek. What would you prefer? So like, I mean, to me, left tackle times a million. We, it's, yeah. it's very up in the air right now what the left tackle situation is um, a, a solid left all pro left tackle for 10 years is something that very few teams ever get to experience. And, yep. you know, a, a number two behind Tyreek, like I get a solid number two is probably a number one on most teams because Tyreek's amazing, but like, yes. but like, Mahomes will make it work. Like they don't, we don't need a, a transcendent wide receiver group. We need, we need guys to protect the best player in football. Like that's what we need. So give me left tackle all day. Yeah, I agree with that. The only caveat would be that if it was actually like a true number one wide receiver who ah. would just be serving as a de facto number two because we have Tyree Kill, who's like the, the best guy wide we receiver. thought Sammy Watkins was going to be. Yeah, sure, exactly. Somebody that could come in like that. I mean, I'm still taking the left tackle, but that yeah. makes it a little bit more interesting. I agree with that. Just because you can get some plug and play production on your offensive line. Obviously there is a, a tipping point at a certain point where you just can't do anything because your offensive line is so bad. We unfortunately saw an example of that like three weeks ago. It's horrible. Let's move on. I, I don't want to dwell on that. Uh, we have one from Kathleen, one of my favorite Twitter followers at K Alexander 10, 12. What animal doesn't have a butthole? I I'll let you handle this one. I Googled it. I was curious. Of course, you know, I, I don't I don't know the butthole situation on every animal in the animal kingdom, but there is a mite that lives in the pores of the skin of your face, which is disgusting, first of all, called a demodex. Yeah, that's really gross. And the demodex does not possess an anus, so they can't poop. Huh. So I'm not surprised that you Googled this. Uh, Immediately but... Googled animal buttholes the first yeah, day. Yeah, of course. Um, of course you did. And I'm sure you. And you Google was like, oh, you've of, looked at this before, huh? Yeah, some kind of watch list. You know, <laughs> you probably got a bunch of furry posts coming up yeah, here. Um, I didn't know if there was supposed to be a right answer for this. You just Googled the right answer. And now everybody that listens to this podcast knows that Demodex doesn't have a butthole. I was going to guess like a platypus, even though I know platypus <laughs> have buttholes, but just because the platypus is such a weird animal, you know, like that would just yeah. be, that would rank like 15th on the weirdest fact about the platypus, right? Like, yeah, if you found nowadays, out they didn't have one, you'd be like, sure, that tracks. Right. It tracks, it tracks, you know, like they, they're an animal or they're a mammal that lays eggs. They have mm-hmm. a duck bill. They have poisonous spurs. Yep. They like secrete stuff through their skin. They're very strange. They're uh, and so had that been, you know, a fact about the platypus, that would not have surprised me. But but it is the Demodex that does not have <laughs> So uh, we also had Unknown Caller uh, at Original GMF ask us, do you guys like Rick and Morty? And if so, draft your favorite episode. So we're, we're not going to draft them, but I'm going to name five of my favorite episodes of Rick and Morty, which is do it. 
the vat of acid episode, which is a more recent one, but uh, it's a great one where he devises a fake vat of acid to escape uh, a little a deal gone wrong. They jump in the acid and then it's not, it doesn't actually eat him alive. It's great. Uh, pickle Rick. Rick turns himself into a pickle. Very funny. Yeah, pickle Rick. The Rick Lantis mix up where they start the episode by Rick and Morty going on an adventure. And then the whole episode is just about the, the um, alternate realities where all the Ricks come together. And, and it's really, really funny. Uh, total Rick all. <laughs> this one's great where the beginning of the episode starts and there's a fake character named Mr. Poopy butthole. So uh, Kathleen, you yes. might want to watch uh, Rick and Morty, but um, so then the whole episode, they're trying to figure out which characters are fake because there's this parasite that gets in their brains and makes them, uh, it lives there by like creating fake realities and stuff. And then there's uh, Edge of Tomorty, Rick Die Repeat, which uh, great episode, by the way, title, because Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie. Uh, and that's the season four premiere where uh, Rick keeps coming back to life and then dying and uploading himself into alternate reality clones of himself. Just very fun shenanigans. Love that show. Love, love, love. Yes, it's very funny. And I need to watch the new episodes of that because I'm not all caught up. But uh, I also uh, quite enjoy Rick and Morty. Very funny, very intellectual show. It uh, got a nice mix of the uh, highbrow and lowbrow humor in that yeah. show, which is uh, which is totally. always a good recipe for success. Uh, we've got another one actually from Mike at ah, Mike fifty seven X. Did not together. put them back to, but that's fine. That's yep. fine. You were sort of grouping by subject matter. Yep. We yep. Put these into our, our spreadsheet here. Outside of Sweet D, who is already a big bird, obviously. <laughs> if the Always Sunny cast were animals, what would they be? So, uh, I gave this some thought, and I'm going to start with Frank. So the obvious choice is a warthog. You yeah. Know? The beginning of Frank's back in business, you know, they've got him snorting on all fours, you know, uh, but I also like a baboon. I was thinking of baboon for Frank. And the reason for that is baboons are highly intelligent. You know, they're a primate, but they're also extremely crass and super gross. They've got the big red butts hanging out. Yeah. You know, they're constantly jerking off, yeah. throwing their poop at people and eating garbage, you know, just uh, super crass. They're savages, but they're also, they're, they're very smart. They're intelligent. They're probably good at scheming. So I'd say Frank is a baboon. Uh, Dennis, you know, we could have <laughs> gone with a beautiful, beautiful gazelle person. Um, but I actually think he's a jaguar, even though Ooh. he had to model a mule in the uh, Patty's top billboard modeling yeah, Rex contest. Was a Rex was a sexy jaguar and Dennis was a mule. Uh, but I think a Jaguar is a good one for Dennis because, you know, he's intelligent, he's vain as all cats are. We know that. And he's predatory. You know, he's, he's kind <laughs> Super of a predatory. He's kind of a sex pervert. So, you know, I mean, Jaguars, uh, Mac, Mac is a panda who thinks he's a grizzly bear. OK, and I promise that's that's not like a gay joke. <laughs> um, it could we could have gone that that angle with the bear. Uh, but no, he's he's like a. He's like a panda bear. He's pretty harmless, but he thinks he's like a grizzly bear. Right? He thinks he's yeah. fierce. He thinks he's, you know, going to give people an ocular pat down and, and beat them up, whatever. And Charlie, what else could Charlie be, Taylor, but a rat? Oh. He, he embodies the spirit of the rat, even though he's bashing the rat. You know, he has a lot of empathy towards the rat. And he's a scavenger, you know, a survivor, somebody who, who knows his way around a sewer. Uh, certainly surprisingly intelligent and effective in his own way of life you know which uh, a rat is a survivor and uh i think uh charlie would would for sure be a rat i can't think of a better animal to represent charlie than the rat you, you killed those those are all absolute just those people embodied in animals perfectly Thank uh you. i'm gonna knock one out real quick which was uh rob south five asked us a very googleable question but that's okay thank you for engaging with us on twitter he asked is the american royal barbecue happening this year and who's ready for freedom 
Uh, it is the, the 2021 World Series of Barbecue is tentatively scheduled for September 16th through 19th, 2021 at the Kansas Speedway. This is Googleable, but the Who's Ready for Freedom this year sounds to me a little bit like a, a rebellion from the vaccine mask world of 2020. I don't know what Rob South's politics are, but, you know, um, kudos to him. Uh, I did get my, my vaccine a couple of weeks ago, my first shot. So pretty soon I'm going to be just running around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, so it's free. Be great. Yep. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, snake draft. <laughs> Who owes Mahomes an apology for the Super Bowl debacle? This is from Championship Swagger at Brandon422. We're not going to snake draft it because we don't have time. This episode is already too long. Or the heart. And the heart. Yeah, I don't want to snake draft that. But I will give you a quick top five. Uh, number five is Britt Reed. Boo. Ooh. It's impossible to know if he had any actual impact on the game, but it certainly didn't help anybody. Uh, Britt Reed sucks. Um I'm sure he's going to be criminally charged soon. We'll keep an eye on that. You know, send me your questions on Twitter if you have legal questions about Bray Reed. Number four is the defense. Uh, the refs totally boned them. We're going to talk about them in a minute. Spoiler alert. But, I mean, the defense kind of quit in the second half. I mean, I get that they were getting screwed and they were trying to play physical and the refs wouldn't let them play physical, but they kind of quit in the second half. Uh, so, number four is the defense for me. Number three is the pass catchers. Man, I, I mean, they dropped like three touchdowns in the end zone. You know, we could have scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That would have been nice. Receivers didn't let that happen, so I put them number three. Number two is the refs, and specifically Taylor Carl Cheffers, who we did not name in our Super Bowl recap. We didn't want to get too deep into the weeds. We didn't want to soak in our misery. But uh, some numbers, when officiating Kansas City games this year, Carl Cheffers' crew called 60% of all the penalties in that game against Kansas City and 40% against their opponents. So the Chiefs since 2018 have have been called for 52% of all the penalties in their games. So 52% for the Chiefs and 48% for their opponents. Carl Cheffers, 60% against the Chiefs, 40% for their opponents. He officiated uh, three Chiefs games this year. Now, the Chiefs played 18 games, not counting Week 17, against the Chargers, where they rested their starters. And in those 18 games, they had 10-plus penalties in five of their games. So five out of the 18 games. Mm-hmm. All or three of those games were officiated by Carl Sheffer's crew. Okay. And those were the only three chiefs games that he did. So he officiated three chiefs games. And in all three chiefs games, he officiated, he called 10 plus penalties against the chiefs. They only had two other games out of the other 15 games that they played without him refereeing them where they had 10 or more penalties. Oh, This makes me sick. Oh, I know it does. And wait, wait for it. I got one more. He called 89 plus penalty yards against the chiefs three out of three times. And in the other 31, the other 31 teams that he officiated that were not the Chiefs, two times he called no. teams for, for more than 89 penalty yards. Chiefs You're- had 89 plus three out of three. The other 31 teams that he officiated in this 2020 season and postseason, two out of 31 that he called 89 plus penalty yards against. Mm. He That's probably disgusting. should have been number one, to be honest with you, but I didn't want it to seem like yeah, sour grapes and refs, blame yeah. the refs. And, yeah. you know, we're going to blame the refs without <laughs> blaming the refs. That's the, the trick, guys. You know, losers blame the refs, and we're winners here in Chiefs Kingdom. That being said, but, fuck Carl Sheffers. But that being said, fuck Carl Sheffers. Number one is the offensive line. It's not totally their fault. You can't blame guys for getting hurt. You can't yeah. blame guys for not being talented enough. Yep. But woof, in terms of – owing Mahomes the biggest apology. They're the ones that owe him the biggest apology. Number one, offensive line. That is fair. 
So thanks for that, kind of. <laughs> uh, next, we've got uh, the Claude, and Claude is a longtime follower of both of us as well. Uh, not sure if he's inducted in the Birds of War, but we're uh, going to go with a caca. And uh, he's going to, he said, tell the world why Ghost of Tsushima deserved Game of the Year over The Last of Us 2. Tell them. So I'm a big gamer. I didn't actually get to either of these two games. Uh, Last of Us is kind of a depressing zombie apocalypse type thing and not really my bag for what I typically go to. And Ghost of Tsushima looks great. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I certainly plan on it. Uh, my game of the year last year was Final Fantasy VII Remake. So sorry, Claude, I cannot defend your favorite game there. But um, of what I've seen of both of them, I'm sure Ghost of Tsushima was very uh, worthy. Yeah, I uh, follow a Twitter account called Can You Pet the Dog? And my understanding is that you can pet the dog <laughs> in Ghost of Tsushima. I'm not sure if you can pet the dog in The Last of Us 2, but I'm going to go with Ghost of Tsushima because you can pat, uh, you can pet the dog in that game. So that that's what I'll go with. Uh, next one we've got from, uh, eh, I guess we'll read it. From from your pal, lawyer up 406, Tim Wentz, big Broncos fan. How scary will the AFC West be when Russ goes to Vegas and Watson comes to Denver? Shut up, Tim. Yeah, shut up, Tim. Shut up. That's not going to happen. Whatever. Exquisite hobo Travis Powers asked us, how will the Bears screw up their quarterback search in the <laughs> dumbest way possible, a.k.a. who is this year's Nick Foles? Mm. So great, great question. I thought it was going to be Carson Wentz. And, yeah, I did too. And then he went to Indy and I kind of was left thinking, well, uh, you know, maybe they'll – maybe they'll go with like Alex Smith, which is, uh, I guess that's probably not this year's Nick Foles, but um, I don't think Alex has got much left in the tank. He doesn't, but I think, you know, that's possible because he's going to get cut by Washington. And certainly there are some chief ties there with the Matt Nagy yeah. running the show. That's what I uh, Possible. I think the funniest thing <laughs> and what I'm rooting for is <laughs> for Jameis to go to well, the Bears. I, yeah, I just, Jay, like, this is an easy answer here. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're looking for somebody to blow up a quarterback position in the funniest way possible, in the dumbest way possible, Jameis is your guy. And I would love it because the Bears – I mean, the Bears have basically never had a good quarterback ever in their no. entire history. It's, it's pretty wild. No. But Jameis would be, like, kind of in the mold of – you know, some of the great Chicago Bears quarterbacks of the last 20 years. He, Rex he's, Grossman. He's very much in the Rex Grossman, Jay Cutler mold, uh -huh. where he's going to go in and throw a ton <laughs> of interceptions and lose a ton of fumbles yeah. and throw just a, just an enormous amount of turnovers out there. It'd be great. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for, for sure. That's hilarious. Uh, next, we've got Pocket at Pocket7 asked us, this is a quick one for us, what are your top five episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? We've covered this many times. Uh, my list kind of is a little nebulous. It kind of changes every now and then. Uh, sure. The one that I made today was, number one, Gang Wrestles for the Troops. Number two, Gas Crisis. Number three, Manhunters. Number four, Intervention. Number five, my favorite, Frank's Pretty Woman. Nice. I like it. I started off also with wrestles for the troops. That one is retained the top spot <laughs> yeah. in my rankings Lock for a very long time. I, yeah. I mean, it is, it is yep. just a, it's a fantastic episode, but then I decided to go with different ones from you. Uh, yep. Not because your list was bad, but just yep. for the sake of variety. Cause there's so many uh, good ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good ones. Number two, I had Mac as a serial killer, which Love I, it. which I really like. Uh, I had the gang buys a boat at number three, <laughs> just a fantastic one because of the implication. Uh -huh. Number four is a little bit of a cheat for me. Yeah. 
I love to draft this episode. I think when we drafted favorite episodes, I pulled this one because it's just a bunch of callback jokes, uh, recycles their trash at number four. And number five, I went with the gang hits the slopes, which uh, very underrated, Great very one. underrated. I don't know if it would actually make my top five, but mm-hmm. in the interests of, uh, you know, putting a list out there, uh, you know, having a take, give me hits the slopes. We've got one here from not rigs at at back for the three time. <laughs> I think this is his third account is the oh, issue. Rigor. If you could breathe without oxygen, would you go to space or underwater? So I kick this off. I'm going to go underwater and here's why. Okay. Number one, space is scary. I actually don't think <laughs> that I would go to space. Underwater's not. Yeah, it is. But I don't think I would go to space if I had the opportunity to go to space. It freaks me out. There's too much that can go wrong. You go up there, you blow up, you get sucked out in the void, whatever it is. I mean, if you can but, breathe. Well, well, you can breathe. I'll let you have you your time. You can't move, okay? Like, you can't swim in space. You need to have some kind of vehicle to propel you around. And your vehicle's power is finite. You know, like, if you could fly in space, it would be a different story. But you can't. So you're still reliant on some kind of human technology to propel you about space. And that is limited by our technology. I don't trust it. On the other hand, if you could breathe underwater, you at least have the ability to like sleep underwater. Like if you get trapped in the Marianas Trench or something like that, you could eventually swim You're your way to out. Sleep? <laughs> yeah, you could eventually swim your way out. Plus, I actually like I I don't think I'm ever gonna scuba because I I like I got to like a uh, I don't know I don't I don't think I would like it. I've snorkeled yeah, times. The ocean kind of freaks me out to be sure. honest with you, but. I would really like to be able to breathe underwater. You could basically scuba without needing scuba equipment. You know, you could go and explore all these cool wrecks and everything. Like you could go to Bikini Atoll and like dive through all these old warships and things like that. I think it'd be fun. Well, you can have fun uh, going to places that humans have been billions of times before. And I I would uh, breathe in space and go check out stuff that no one's ever seen before. So yeah. How would you check it? How would you get there? Oh, I get the moment I tell NASA I can breathe in space. They're like, get him on the rocket. Like that's, <laughs> there's no way that they wouldn't put me up there the moment they could. So like, and, and if the rocket screws up, like I'm still, at least I can breathe out there. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not. Yeah. Worst. You'll just be floating around until you starve to death. That's I'll, I'll bring out some little packets of food and I'll have yeah. a, I'll right. eat my own poop like the Martian. It'll be fun. Okay. Okay. We've got one from <laughs> minty fresh dough at Adrian Stanley Two. Should the chiefs bring back Alex Smith? Not sure if Henny is signed. He is not. He's a free agent, I believe. Yeah. Henny is not signed and sure. I mean, as long as the price is right, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go a different direction with this. I love Alex, but no thank you. I'm more into the idea of getting these XFL guys or, you know, uh, AAF guys, if that ever makes a comeback. I'm more into the idea. It won't. But (laughs) some kind of developmental league for developmental players. Give me like a Jordan Te'amu. Yeah. You know, a guy that we don't have to spend any draft capital or any money on. You know, a Tyler Bray type. Bring him in and develop him behind Mahomes. And maybe you get a draft pick for him down the road. Yeah, I like it for sure. Last question on the mailbag, which has been a meaty 25 questioner one this time uh, from one of my favorite The League references at Password is Taco. <laughs> Derek asked us, if you could cast NFL franchises as Sunny characters, which team would you cast for various Sunny characters? You destroyed this one, so go ahead and let me know. What oh, you yes, I did. And for some reason, not all of this made it into the spreadsheet, but that's fine. I'll do it from memory. So I had Frank as the New England Patriots. and. Yes. 
you can't argue with Frank's success, nor can you really argue with the Patriot success, but you can argue with the people behind the success. And in this case, Frank is very rich. He's very successful, but he's also extremely crass and very gross, very distasteful. Like he would definitely be the kind of guy that would be getting a handy in a massage parlor <laughs> in Florida with Robert Kraft. You know, like he would, he's he would he would be buddies with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin and all these people that the Patriots are hanging out with. So he's the New England Patriots, uh, successful but gross. Dennis is the Denver Broncos because he definitely peaked when he was in high school, as did the Broncos when we were in high school. We're fudging the numbers a little bit there. That's good. But now he's peaked. He's peaked and now he's in decline. Peaked the Broncos in the 90s would probably yeah, be yeah. That's right, exactly. You know, uh, late '90s Broncos. They were. I don't <laughs> want to say that they're grade A prime beefcake. Eh. No. Kyle Shanahan or, or uh, Mike Shanahan. You know, great, good for you. Zone read, etc. Uh, but the uh, the 2020 Broncos are in serious decline. Their so, bird quit. yep, their bird definitely quit. And speaking of birds. <laughs> obviously d has to be a bird franchise obviously there's a lot of choices there's a lot of choices but there's only one that makes sense a dumb bird that is known for choking in big moments d has to be the atlanta falcons oh that's savage you know d was given the opportunity to be the adelphia in the flip cup tournament she couldn't flip the cup she is known she is a known choke artist she is she is well known for choking in big moments and poor falcons boy there's not a franchise that chokes harder in big moments than the atlanta falcons and you know she's a dumb bird so that is perfect for her now charlie charlie was an interesting one i had to think about this one for a while because i love charlie as a character and i do not love the team that i have picked for him but i can't get away from it it's the oakland raiders and Mm. specifically the Oakland Raiders, mm. not the Las Vegas Raiders, not this right. team that's trying to be glam and glitzy and going out to the desert and the lights of the strip and all this stuff like that. No, this is a team that was in a baseball stadium where the toilets overflowed and literally had shit running through the stadium. That is the home of the Oakland Raiders. you got people known for dressing up in costume, which obviously is something that Charlie quite enjoys. He'd be at yeah. home, you know, dressing up uh, green man would yeah. be at home in that Oakland Coliseum. You know, they they certainly have uh, a problem with their literacy, Oakland yes. Raiders fans, yes. which is something that Charlie would identify with as well. Uh, I just think that the Oakland Raiders are the perfect fit for Charlie as an entity. And that leaves us with Mac. And you actually uh, helpfully suggested one. I was struggling with Mac for a little bit, but you suggested the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And Maybe maybe you're the best person to explain this. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Mac thinks a lot highly of himself, a lot more highly than others do. And that mm-hmm. is that is the Cowboys to a T. Um, yes, and also he has a great quote in uh, The Gang Wins the Big Game where he says, Charlie says, well, what do you t- care about? You're a Cowboys fan. He goes, I was not. I was a Tony Romo fan. And then he retired. Now I bleed green. Go birds. And that's pretty that's pretty spot on for the Cowboys. They're just yeah, uh, go birds. They're they're fake and they're just not, you know. Yeah, fuck the Cowboys yeah. too. You yeah. know, I've always said they're my least favorite team. Uh, that that kind of I don't get enough. Uh, you know, obviously my AFC teams are all, I hate them all, but um, I hate the Cowboys a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to end here. This podcast has gone way long. Thank you so much for everybody that contributed questions, including 
at Fun and James 85, we didn't forget about you. He gave us a fun roast topic, the 2013 quarterback draft class. We're actually just going to roast the entire 2013 draft. This could be some good draft content because, you know, we don't want to talk about draft products. We don't want to we, we don't want to crush film for our listeners because no. that's a lot of work. They it's can get really, that from other wonderful sources that's not us. They certainly can, including our parent uh, company, the SI, SI Chiefs, doing a lot of good draft coverage. Go check that out. We're just going to roast bad draft picks. We're going to do the 2013 draft. We'll do that next week. So tune in next time. It's always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom.